Welcome to the TriStar Church Podcast. We're so glad that you have tuned in today. My name is Matt Grimes, lead pastor of TriStar Church, and I want to encourage you to like and follow us on social media, as well as subscribe to our podcast. You'll find weekly sermons, midweek deep dives, and more right here every single week. I pray that you're challenged and encouraged as you listen, not just to the words that are spoken, but to the Holy Spirit who is speaking to you through this resource. Now let's dive in. So if you have your Bible this morning, I want to look at four major steps that I think Paul is laying out that we can achieve true spiritual health, both as a church here at TriStar and as individuals in our daily lives. So let's look here at 1 Timothy 4, 6 and 7. Paul says, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed, having nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. So the first step, if you're taking notes this morning, the first step that I want to look at is that you and I should pay attention and should focus on eating godly food in our lives. I know it sounds simple. It, it may sound, man, that, you came up with that is one of your points. I promise there's a little more depth in that, uh, but it's so important. You see, Paul says here, if you put these things before the brothers, and these things he's referring to are the first one through five verses in chapter four, if you go back and read, and it's this continual warning, this continual, hey, you really need to pay attention to what you're reading, to what you're listening, to what people are saying to you because it matters The persuasion in your life, the noise, the voices that you listen to, you really need to pay attention to what's coming out of their mouth because it shapes you, it forms you, it it, um, informs how we are to relate and to respond in a culture that is so anti-Jesus and and more you do you and I do me and let's figure this out and let's be our best self and let's look to the things of the world to remedy our deepest needs where actually Paul would say scripture is the thing. The word of God is the remedy to all of our deepest and darkest wounds and secrets and sins in this life. And so you see here, if Timothy continually lays out these warnings about the error of apostasy Uh, Timothy will be a good servant of Christ Jesus if you and I are on the front lines being aware of what is being preached on and what is being spoken on and what is being uh, not, not just spoken to you but to your kids. What are your kids listening to on a daily basis? When you're not around, what is the loudest voice in their world? Is it their friends? Is it the music that they listen to? Video games? Um, their teachers, things on TV, what is the loudest thing in their world that you and I as, well, I'm not a parent yet, well, that's not, I'm not dropping, like, I'm not, we're not pregnant or anything, but, (laughs) sorry, Uh, but for the parents in the room, uh, you need to focus on your kids. And so I know this can be shocking in our day. You see, many churches in America do not want to talk about error or hard topics, You start talking about the hard things in scripture and and people who stand on the platform or people in your small group, when you start talking about the hard things, you you run the risk of of really having some hard generalizations placed on your life. You're hateful. You're misunderstanding. You don't get it. You haven't lived the life that I live. 
But God says, if you do this, if you pay attention to what's being spoken, to the, uh, the, the heresy that may be around you and whatever is loud in your world, if you pay attention to that and you call it out and you lead people away from that and into the way of everlasting, you are a good servant of Christ Jesus, an excellent servant of his. And so why would Paul do this? Why would he say, hey, you need to call out this and that in your church. You need to stop letting this happen. You need to be careful of what's being said in your world. Why would we do that? Why is that so important? And I think people who love Jesus and who know the love of Jesus, regardless of how hard it may be to speak the truth to people, the most loving thing that you and I can do is when we see somebody on the near edge of death, when they're putting things into their world, into their ears, into their mouth that will do detrimental harm to them, whether it's false teaching or things that lead you astray from the Lord, the most loving thing that we can do is to tell them about it. Amen? To steer them away from a life of death and towards a life of, um, of Jesus. And so Paul tells us false teaching is dangerous and some truths that may seem spiritual or even unhealthy. So pay attention. We must warn our people of this error. He says in verse six as it continues, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. I think one of the the most simplest things that you and I can discuss this morning and that we can all agree upon is that we need to be in the Bible. We need to be reading God's word. And without it, I, I'm not convinced that you and I can make it in this life if we're not constantly in tune, constantly listening, constantly paying attention to what the Spirit is trying to teach us. And I'm afraid that if we are not in tune with his spirit, you and I can miss what he's doing here right in front of us at TriStar, in Knoxville, in your workplace. There may be people that he's putting in your life right now that he wants you so desperately to have that hard conversation with. But if you're not in the word and you're not equipped and you don't know what to say, then man, what a missed opportunity for us as the people of God. Without it, we starve. Without it, we, we, we do not grow. And when I, when I talk about growth, I think of growth as something that is subtle and something that is often noticed best by others. We need to learn the word. We need to memorize it. We need to find joy in it. And I promise you, uh, you hear it all the time, like I've been saying, we need to be in our word. And I, I promise it's not easy. It's like mining for gold. And somebody once told me, they were like, when you read your word, what is your expectation? And I thought about it for a second, and then I came up with the idea of, man, I feel like God always must meet me in that moment. Like, he has to. Like, he calls me to read his word, so why is he not meeting me in this moment to read and to hear from him? And then the same guy said, it's not always going to be this mountaintop moment with the Lord when you're reading your Bible. Most of the time it's gonna be, okay, I've got this plan, I'm gonna follow it, I'm gonna read it, I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna start building this fire with kindling. 
I'm going to be showing up. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be disciplined because uh, I'm convinced that consistency and discipline compound on one another. The more you show up every day, the more you're there for your kids, the more you're there to your spouse, the more you're there with the word and with your church family, I promise the Lord will meet you in that. Wherever you're at, however you're showing up, all he calls us to do is to be faithful and to meet him there. And so Paul would say, as you're reading your word, as you're delighting in him, reject the poison in the world that's not from him. He says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, but rather train yourself for godliness. God's never wrong. He's, his word is super healthy, and Paul warns Timothy to completely reject anything that is not from his word. He calls us to keep our minds saturated, and the only way to do that is to completely and utterly come back to him on a day-to-day basis, asking him, being like, Lord, I'm empty today. I've got nothing. I have nothing to offer. I don't know what you want me to say. I don't know even how to pray to you right now. But Lord, I'm begging you, if you are who you say you are, then please show up in this moment. And keep going to him. Your spiritual health is conditioned on what you eat, what you take in spiritually, and also how you live it out. The second step that I think Paul is calling us to here uh, is to exercise to develop godliness. Exercise is a huge thing right now in, in our world, influencing people love fitness, people love going to the gym, people love posting it on social media, they love the quick results, they love to show off everything, but I'm convinced that the best type of growth is slow and steady intentional, quiet, having people in your corner who can see it, but you're not boasting, you're not showing about it, you're not talking about it all the time, but you're just living your life and people notice it. He says here in uh, the end of seven, rather train yourself for godliness, verse eight, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hopes set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. There is no fruitful ministry apart from personal godliness. There is no way for you and I to pour into the people around us if we are not first going to the well of life ourselves and being in his word. All true ministry, both in here corporately and in your personal homes, is the overflow of a godly life. It says here in verse seven, to train yourself or to discipline yourself. And I actually didn't know this, I probably should have, but. It is the actual the English word for gymnasium. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that gym. It kind of makes sense, training, the gym. So Paul loves to use this athletic imagery here, and there's this idea to train yourself and to exercise for self-control. 
So we do it to be disciplined. We do it to have self-control. Proverbs 25, 28 says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. 1 Corinthians 9, 27 says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. It's so important that we aim to live a life full of grace, full of truth, pursuing the Lord in in every facet of our life. And sadly, and I'm guilty of this, I'm probably the chief of sinners here preaching to a choir of sinners. Sadly, the super talented and the graciously gifted often rest on their gifts alone and not on the giver of their gifts. It's so easy if you're a part of a church and you're super talented and you're super gifted or you're at work and you know you're an A-plus home run hitter in your uh, career path or you're a great parent to really begin to rely on your own gifts and not go back to the one who gave them to you. To not be like, Lord, thank you so much for giving me this gift in my weakness, in my... um, total dependency on you, Lord. I know I have this gift. You've given it to me. And Lord, I just want to use it for your glory. I just want to use it to uplift you, to grow your kingdom, to bring people to you. I don't want to use it for my, uh, my name and for my vein or for my own glory. It has nothing to do with me and everything to do with you, Lord. But sadly, we don't always do that. And Paul would say, hey, Timothy, you must develop discipline. Build godly spiritual routines into your life. For me, one of the biggest things that was so important that I could not let the enemy take away from was time spent with the Lord in the morning. Whether it's getting up early, I know for a lot of people who have kids, you're probably up way before me, and I hate that for you, but it's also probably pretty good that you're getting up early with your kids. Um, I found my spot on the couch. I had a plan, and I knew every morning with my coffee, I would show up and I would spend time with the Lord. Um, Whatever that looks like for you, pick a place, pick a plan and make it a practice. If you have that, write that down. I think that is so important as we're digging into this practical piece of, of spiritual health and training for godly wisdom. Pick a place that you can go, that there will be no distractions. Pick a plan that you can follow. It can be very easy, a chapter a day, A book a day may be a lot for many of us, if not all of us. A few pieces of scripture a day, follow that and make it a practice. Just like going to the gym and following a plan, even when you don't want to, over time, it builds, it compounds. And before before you know it, it is just a part of your daily routine. You're like, all right, I'm going to the gym today. Of course I am, because I've been going for the last 60 days every day. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to read my Bible, of course, because I've been reading with him every morning. So pick a place, pick a practice, um, pick a plan, and make it a practice. Spurgeon would say, a shepherd without godliness is like a blind man teaching optics. Without godliness, you and I are deaf people trying to be conductors of a choir. Are we building routines of discipline? Are we exercising this discipline? 
that not only encourages ourselves, because let's be honest, like, if we walk away and we're only worried about building up ourselves and building these routines routines up for ourselves, I'm afraid we've missed it. We do these things in order to build up the kingdom. We're all about missional community here. We love being out in the community and loving on the community. And what a gift it would be if you and I walked away here with um, tools in our toolbox to build ourselves up and not just to stop there, but to pour into a community that so desperately needs to hear about the good news of Jesus. So how are you building up those routines of discipline? Verse eight, he says bodily training is of some value. So there is some value to to going to the gym. Shocking, I know. Most of us, we don't want to go to the gym. I really don't like going to the gym that much anymore, ironically, for some in the room who really know me. It's It's just a hard thing. It's a hard thing to really push your body and to put your body under a sense of resistance and to do hard things. But I promise, just like when you do physically hard things that have advantages, if you want to play with your kids when you're in your 50s and your 60s, then I promise you should probably really focus on taking care of yourself. So there's some advantages to being um, in the gym and being conscious about your health and about your living. Husbands in the room, I probably wouldn't walk up to your wife and be like, hey, babe, I think you need to go to the gym today. I probably wouldn't do that. Probably not a good idea. Um, but encourage one another. There is advantages to taking care of ourselves, but also there is so much more in the spiritual uh, discipline of ourselves. Paul commands Timothy to live differently than the false teachers, but manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, demonstrating self-control to be like Christ. He ends verse 9 with saying, the statement is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. He's saying, hey, Timothy, you can trust what I'm going to say. The people around you, the people in the church, the believers of Jesus Christ, they knew this to be true. And so I pray that over the room this morning that we hear these words and we know for them to be true. Paul says, Timothy, and I say it to us this morning, let's pursue heavenly reward together in this life, but also to remember that it's not gonna be easy work. There's gonna be days where you wanna give up. There's gonna be days where you come in here and you get frustrated and you wanna give up on the church and you wanna walk away, and I promise, don't give up on the church. We've all been hurt. We've all given ourselves to the end and we've not seen the reward like we had hoped, but I promise if you stick with it, because Jesus is faithful to finish every good work, I promise he will be with us and he will lead this thing to the end. He says in verse 10, for to this end we toil and we strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially those who believe. Timothy, your commitment is to literally work to the point of exhaustion and to struggle to the point of agony. Think of that for a second. That sounds like something fun to sign up for when, when you gave your life to Jesus back whenever that was. Man, what a, what a time that was. I don't think they told me that when I was at camp. I don't think that was a part of the, uh, 
the, uh, the theme for that week. But he says here, your commitment is to labor, to give it all to the point of being fully exhausted for the name of Jesus. And not only that, but to strive and to struggle to the point of being frustrated, to the point of, of, of being in agony. When we talk about discipline and spiritual health, this is what we mean when we say, hey, it's important to be committed to something and to labor and to strive because it's so worth it. Godliness will not grow in an environment of instant gratification. It takes work. He says here, Paul reminds Timothy that we work hard because we have placed all of our hope and all of our trust in the living God, not in the dead idols that they had been hearing about in that day, not about all these false prophets and teachers or false religions of error, not with empty routines or empty uh, rhythms of worship that people would come to in the temple and give up false idols. None of that. But in the, the living and the breathing, the personal and the loving, the sovereign and the providential God of this universe who knows each one of you in the room this morning, that is the God that we choose to love, that we are given the ability to love, that we are given the ability to serve every single day. Paul adds a a challenging statement here. He says, who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe? Paul reminds Timothy, he says, God blesses everyone without Christ. There is this idea of this common grace that everyone on planet earth wakes up with breath in their lungs and they're able to walk and mingle and meet and do daily life by God's common grace. He gives them food. He keeps them alive. God is deeply in love and interested in all of these people. But according to the Bible, um, he is especially glorious about those um, that he has called to his kingdom, that he has rescued from sin, that are a part of the family of God, genuine uh, Bible-believing followers of Jesus who are saved now and forever, who are being kept for this glorious inheritance in heaven. He especially uh, loves and is a savior for those people. So grow in this commitment. Grow in this godliness. Develop routines that grow you further into a relationship with the Lord, not away from him. You can tell somebody really cares about something by the amount of times that they talk about that in a conversation. For me, it's, um, it used to be fitness. Now it's like music I, or, you know, work for some reason, like the people that I work with are awesome. We're always talking about uh, being uh, friends and hanging out on the lake, going on the water, and you can tell um, somebody loves something so much by the amount of times that they talk about them. For a husband, you love your wife because you can tell by the amount of times they bring you up in a conversation. Every moment they consider uh, their wife, every decision, every activity, because Uh, the two become one, and you love each other. You can also see when a believer is deeply following and in love with Jesus by the amount of times that they bring him up and consider him in their everyday life. He's central in every event. He is the top priority in every activity, and he is the, um, 
lens through which you and I look through when we make these decisions. So we see here that Paul is, is calling us to exercise all of these things to develop godliness. The third step in this passage, engaging godly exercise. Verse 11, he says, command and teach these things. Paul wants us to press into the priorities. He wants us to pursue a life of continual obedience to God's commands, and not only that, but to communicate them to our families. Um, It's so important for us to be convicted and to be interested and to help people um, meet Jesus in a way that moves them to more life transformation. We have to live it. I was with a uh, family on Friday um, sharing a meal with them, and they had three kids. And one of the things that stood out to me the most um, was that at the dinner table, putting them to bed, playing with toys, they were always singing or talking about something related to Jesus. Whether it was singing nothing but the blood, an old hymn that is older than all of us in here combined, or, or, or reciting a church catechism that helps build the foundation and the structure and the value of what the church ought to look like, or as easy as being, hey, what are you most interested in to an adult he's never met before? And so these parents are showing and living by example ways that their kids can be deeply invested in the people in front of them one day. And that when life gets hard, they know um, that nothing in their life is more powerful than the cross of Christ, that all of their sin can be washed away by the blood of Jesus. And that is a truth that I want all of us to walk away from. He says, aging is not the issue example is. Verse 12 adds, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. You see, Timothy is about 30 years old, so he's around, I'm 28, so a couple years older than me, but compared to the elders, the people uh, that are part of the local body there in Ephesus, he's like, a, he's like a, a young dude, like a baby. And so Paul says here, don't be afraid, don't be silent, don't sit back and not step into your gifts that, that the Lord has given you, but actually lead by example, don't be insecure Don't allow others to dismiss you. Church, if there's people in your life who are trying to uh, put you down or dismiss your gifts or belittle you or force you to think that you are less than what you actually are, run away from those people. You are of immense value, and it's because I know the one that created you said it in his word that you are full of immense value, and so therefore, regardless of your, of your age, regardless of your ability, regardless of what you can or cannot bring to the table, you all, we all, as the children of God, have a seat at the table. And so don't ever let anybody despise you for that. He says, let your conduct speak for you. You are to be a model, an example for those around you. If there's people in your life don't, that, are, that are trying to be, belittle you and put you down, don't, don't try and change them with, with um, confrontation and conflict and, and um, 
ways to rile one another up. Don't, don't do that, but lead by example. Let your word and your deed and your love for Jesus outshine any negative act that somebody might uh, put on you in your life. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you in the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Timothy's conduct here is to be a pattern for you and I to follow this morning. And in your home and in your church, it's so important, guys, that we really desperately pray on and love on the people who make up our kids' ministry that we consider them, that we love on them, that we root for them and champion them. Because that's the next generation of people. That's who we are building up to take our place one day. And the best way for them to do that is to see how we lead in our conduct, in our love, in our behavior, in, in our unswerving, unbending commitment to Jesus Christ in this life. Paul calls us and he calls Timothy to saturate our flock with God's word. Verse 13, it says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Again, at the dinner table, in your car ride to school or to the pool or here to church, be engaged with your family. Ask them about things that matter to them. Be, be interested in their lives and then follow up with ways that they know that the one who created them loves them even more and is even more interested in their own life. Missional community leaders, be involved in those in your group. Take them to coffee, meet them for lunch, have hard conversations. And it all starts with being in this. Again, I've said it, if we, if we aren't in the word and, and doing the work and being diligent and, and seeking the face of the Lord, our people are going to starve. And they're going to walk away and they're going to become discouraged and they're ultimately going to look to, God, why, why did you put people in my life who couldn't be there for me or couldn't help me wrestle with hard conversations and hard, hard things, hard topics to talk about? Be in God's word. Speak what Jesus would say. And the last thing to cultivate health in the church is that we need to function the way God gifted us. Step into your gift that the Lord may be calling you to today. He says, do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Paul would say to Timothy, hey, if you neglect the Holy Spirit's work in your life, it'll affect the Holy Spirit's work through your life. So if you're not letting him work in your life, then it's gonna be really hard for him to work through your life without submitting to him and being in his word. Verse 15, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Make certain your growth in Christ, your progress in Jesus, your changes from Christ. The most dramatic impact you and I can ever have on our children, on our friends, on our family, the greatest impact that you can make on another Christian in your life is for them to see and observe how you react to things in this life. Are you slow or are you quick? 
Are you easy to get fired up and, and to speak out of wrath, or are you slow and steady and loving to respond in a way that Jesus would? And so be in, be in the things of the Lord. Be with the people of the Lord. To grow healthy as a church and as a Christian, eat the right food, exercise to develop godliness, engage in godly exercise, and entrust to what's most important. Final verse, and I'm done this morning. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. We have to hold fast to and maintain a personal life of integrity and to diligently examine the teaching to make certain it is accurate and clear. And so in your own life, look for, um, look for things that are not of the Lord in teaching and things that you're listening to. Be in the word of God. Be around people who love the Lord. And most importantly, most importantly, live in the strength of Jesus this morning. When, when, when you have hard days, lean into him. When you think you can't do it anymore, lean into him because he is enough. Think of your families, think of your kids, think of your coworkers. How are ways that you and I can better love the people around us? And it begins with being in the word of God and relying on his spirit and his grace and power alone to use us in a world that so desperately needs the love of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your grace that you have spoken, that anything that I might have said was um, all from you and not from my own agenda, God. May we take these things and hide them in our heart, and may we build routines in our lives that draw us closer to you, and may we reach um, to the depths of our community and in our church and in the world where we take what we learn and would we just exemplify that and love on people around us. It's in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you live in the greater Knoxville area, we would love for you to join us for a worship gathering. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. For directions and more information, please visit www.tristarnox.org. Lastly, resources like this one are made possible by the financial support and generosity of people just like you. If you would like more information on supporting TriStar Church, please visit our website, or you can text the word GIVE to 865-240-0353 and follow the prompts. Your generosity and support will empower us to continue to partner with believers, equipping them to make disciples by living out the gospel in the places they live, work, and play. Grace and peace.